Two days ago, I saw a vehicle that had hauled that tanker. You want to get out of here? You talk to me. Max Minute, where so often the things we want are just out of reach in Mad Max to the Road Warrior, one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 88, which begins with Max starting to turn things around, and it ends with Humongous driving full speed to catch up to the rig. The first thing we see this minute is technically three frames of the Murano getting crunched and battered by the tanker. It's the exact same shot as we ended on yesterday, and it just ever so slightly edges itself in. But the real first thing we see this minute is the feral child getting tossed around the inside of the cab. He is not wearing a seatbelt. He is not very secure. No, not at all. Especially considering that there's no door on one side of that cab. Mm -hmm. And yes, Max is between the feral child and that open door, but come on. And the front window's blown out, the back window's blown out, the side window, the passenger side window was shot through, so it's blown out too. Yeah. So, come on. (laughs) He's so little, he can fit through all of those openings, just bounce right out of there. Mm -hmm. But he is safer in the cab than out behind the cab on the back of Bear Claw. Right. So, I guess there's that. As the feral child is getting thrown around outside, the snake truck is getting, once again, battered by the wheels of the tanker because they can't just move back a little bit. Like, that's all I'm asking for, is just give it a few more feet. You know, you seem kind of intense about the risks that the snake truck is taking, but the snake truck survives to the very end, so... That's a very good point. So I think they're okay. (laughs) I just like these guys for some reason. They have awful taste in sunglasses, but for some reason, I just like the snake truck. We get a quick shot of the snake truck getting battered, and then we go back inside the car as Max is turning the steering wheel, and he's turning the steering wheel because he is cutting a huge arc to turn the rig around. Right. He's banging a Yui. Yes, he is. I don't know what other people call it, but here in New England, we bang a Yui. <laughs> I love this move. I think it's very clever. The downside is that he's actually now taking the horde back towards the compound. Yeah. But I think that they've been going away from the compound for long enough that heading back towards the compound for a little while is okay. And Max probably also realizes this is the end game. There's not much time left before something catastrophic on one side or the other is going to happen. I suspect, because I look at this scene and I wonder why is he turning around, I suspect that Max realizes that Papagallo shouting about, oh, we've won, it's all over. He's realized that this is them just being a decoy and that if he keeps pushing as hard as he's going with this rig, he's not going to outrun the Raiders and make it to the rendezvous point using the rig. The rig is going to run out of gas and then he's just going to be stranded because all the Raiders are going to be dead. So he's turning back around because he knows for a fact that the gyro captain is behind him, the lone wolf vehicle, that Papagallo was driving was behind him. There are other things behind him that should the tanker give out on him and he survive the raiders, that at least he'll be that much closer to a vehicle that he can use. 
I like that. He has a plan. So you think he has realized that he's decoy? I think he realized that something is up, that something is amiss, and that Papagallo knew more than he told Max. Mm. And so he wouldn't be able to interrogate Papagallo, but at least he'd be able to find Papagallo's body and maybe find some sort of answer on there. It could also be that he's just turning around to confuse the raiders. And maybe they'll get bored and leave him alone. I'm not entirely sure mm -hmm. exactly why he's doing it. I just have my suppositions. Right. It's also possible that Max saw Humongous get left behind. And from Max's point of view, the only way that he can win and survive is if the Marauders stop chasing him. Right. For some reason. Well... A reason that they would stop is if their leadership was all dead. So he knows Wes is gone. Mm -hmm. So if he can take out Humongous, no other lieutenants have been prominent enough for Max to recognize them as leadership and make sure that they've been taken out. So maybe he was going back for Humongous. I like that too. One funny part about this wide shot of the rig turning around is that you can see the front of the rig. You can see that big old iron cow catcher, and there's no one hanging off of it. Now, from someone watching the movie from beginning to end for the first time, that's not going to be a surprise. But for anyone that's seen this movie before, we know that Wes is going to make another appearance via that cow catcher. And so it's odd that we see it from a distance and that he's not there. Equally, equally head scratch inducing is the fact that when the rig turns perpendicular to the camera, we see that Bearclaw Mohawk is also missing from the back of that rig. So when they did this shot, they didn't include the stuntmen hanging off the side of the vehicle. Which from a production standpoint, of course they didn't. Semis, hmm, they don't turn like this. <laughs> Not usually. They go slow. They go very, very slow. Anybody who's been on the road with a semi knows how painfully slow they turn. So for this rig to turn at any speed at all would not have been the safest thing to be around. So I'm guessing that they had the bare minimum of stunt drivers working mm -hmm. while they filmed this. Yeah. I have a bit of a theory about where Wes is, though. Yeah? We don't see him on the front of the cowcatcher. I suspect that... He is more or less pulling an Indiana Jones. It's been a while since we've sat down and watched Raiders. But there is a scene in Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark where Indy is hanging off the front of a Nazi convoy truck. And there is a rope attached to the grill of the truck. And I'm pretty sure that rope is actually just his whip. But details aren't important here. What he does is he lowers himself from the front of the grill onto the ground, and it's a gravel road, so it's just dirt and whatnot, but he, holding onto the rope, slides down the entire length of the truck to climb up behind. I'm not saying that Wes is on a rope underneath the rig, sliding down the length of the rig to climb up behind. I'm saying that Wes is probably holding on to the bottom of the cowcatcher and either getting dragged along the road or trying to hold himself up by wedging his feet somewhere down in the undercarriage of that rig. Because when we're going to see him next time, he's going to be all bloodied and beaten up. And I think that's because he's hanging Cape Fear style underneath the rig. Yeah, I mean, as implausible as that is... 
this is a movie and implausible things are now suddenly plausible. And exactly. so I think that's plausible. It's so crazy. It just might work. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of crazy, one thing that's mentioned a lot when you listen to the Blu-ray commentary is that George Miller didn't worry all that much about what time of day a shot was happening in and where the light was coming from because they were shooting an action scene outside and all of that other stuff. We get a shot here of the snake truck following the rig in the turn and as we get back onto the road, the sun is ahead of us in everybody's eyes, very low in the sky. It's like a sunset shot. That sunset shot is not reflected anywhere else in this chase scene at all. The sun is always high, middle of the day. This is the only instance where it's like sundown or morning or whatever it's supposed to be. And not just that, in the very next shot we see where the rig is barreling down the center of the road, the sun is behind them. Yeah, thank goodness. I was actually glad of that because with them flipping around, that setting sun would be right in their faces. I'm like, why would you do that on purpose? <laughs> that is the bane of every commuter's existence. Yep. For a long time in my life, no matter where I lived and where I worked, I was always driving into the setting sun, it seemed. And thank goodness I don't have that problem with my current office location. So that's not a problem right now. But I remember those awful days driving home and the sun was always setting in my eyes. Mm -hmm. It's awful. There is one particular hill on my commute where it's a fairly steep hill and it just goes over up and down and then you're done but it is almost perfectly aligned east to west and so on those mornings where the sun is just coming up and you are in a car angled up towards the sun it is right in your face and on those certain parts of the year where the sun is setting when you're driving home you're angled up sun perfectly aligned to be right in your face it is the worst yeah so i can't imagine max purposely turning into the sun yeah but like we said we really don't have to worry about that because after we get that wide shot of them speeding down the road we go back inside the cab and it's the middle of the day right <laughs> and the feral child is sitting on the floor of the cab just trying to open the shotgun. It occurs to me that this calls back to when we saw Sprague sitting on the floor at home playing with Max's service revolver. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we get another kid just sitting there playing with a gun. At least this time, we know for a fact that it's not loaded. Exactly. And, and that's the problem. At least this time, the feral child isn't just playing with it. <laughs> right. He's actively trying to be helpful. To get the gun open. Yes. Which he makes no progress on. He, he has just... not picked up at all how to, like, crack it open. Yeah, the size of his hands do not lend themselves to him easily opening that shotgun. Because Max reaches over and he just grabs that release lever and pops it and then the whole thing cracks open. But he starts yelling at the feral child. He says, hey kid. And he gestures out the front of the ring and he says, get the bullet. The bullet. And the feral child looks at him like, what are you talking about? I don't do this whole talking thing. <laughs> That's my shtick. Like, I, I understand very little, apparently. And so... But he follows Max's finger. Yeah. The feral child looks to where Max is pointing, and Max is like, go on, get up. And so... The feral child climbs up onto the dash, and he's looking out this broken open front window at just the hood or bonnet or whatever you want to refer to it as where there is just a single shotgun shell sitting there out in the open air right next to the hood ornament. And Max is just shouting at this kid, you know, go on, get the shell, get the shell. And the 
feral kid is just sitting there by the window and he's like looking at it. He's like, are you serious? Yeah, Max is pushing him out the window. I am floored by Max's disregard for the safety of a child for the sake of completing this mission. (laughs) And it really bums me out now that their entire mission is a decoy and not worth putting a child's life in danger Mm -hmm. to such an extreme. I just, the chances of that child dying out on the hood of that truck. Just getting tossed. Are astronomical. Like, oh, (laughs) That child is going to die out there. Okay, this is probably a good opportunity to bring up the fact that the ending of this movie is egregiously different in the script that we have printed out. I don't know if you've read through to the end. I have not. But we are going to have to devote an entire episode during the credits of this movie to talk about how different the script ending is from the movie ending. I think I might take the weekend to read the rest of the script. I really think you should. I was reading a little bit of it today. There is a plot point in the script where Max uses his shotgun to more or less free himself from Bear Claw Mohawk's grip. So I feel like that aspect of the script is a little bit tied over in this scene here. The reason that Max is sending the feral child out onto the bonnet to get that loose shell is so that he can put that shell in the shotgun and then use it to free himself from that bear claw. Okay. So It did occur to me to wonder what Max's plan was for that one last shell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you'll find out when you read it and our listeners will find out when we talk about it. Okay, sounds cool. Because it's a lot. There is a lot in there that is not in the movie here. One thing that came to mind as I was watching Max yell and shout and push the feral child around to get this shell, I'm willing to bet he never had to fight that hard to get Dog to fetch things for him. I feel like he was able to say fetch and Dog went and fetched and everything worked out fine. So you're saying that Max could have just said hey dog, go get that shell for me. And the dog would have just jumped out onto the hood of a speeding truck, scooped up that shell in his mouth, and jumped back inside. Well, yeah, because dog is best dog. Well, yeah, dog is best dog, but I think that's pushing it. <laughs> like it would have been a little too treacherous of an environment for dog to be able to traverse. Yes. That's fair. Too Very bad we, much so. Too bad we never got the opportunity to see. Nope. Oh, now I'm sad again. <laughs> Feral Child eventually does go out the window and start inching his way forward across the hood of the truck here. But before we can see him get too far, we cut back to the Lord Humongous, who has now defired himself, even though a little bit of his spoiler is on fire. And he is blackened and angry and just gets that truck back on the road. Truck does look a little different, though. And from the flub trivia entries... From MadMaxMovies.com, the truck is actually negative flipped in this shot. The little control stick is on the wrong side. The nitrous tanks are on the left instead of the right where they were earlier in this movie. Everything is flipped around. Okay. I think the idea of that is to make it look like he had nitrous bottles on both sides that he was messing with. And actually, I totally bought it. I did notice that the nitrous was on a different side, and I just assumed that he had used the nitrous on the right-hand side already that we saw, and now 
now he's using the stuff on the left. Yeah, it made perfect sense to me. I didn't really question it all that much. But when I read through the Flub Trivia section, it stood out. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, they're doing that. So he starts driving, reaches down, turns on the valve. But he doesn't wait for the car to get up to speed like Wes did earlier. He just turns on those valves and just hammers on that little nitrous switch. Yes. And... Ooh, it's like a rocket goes off because that truck takes off and the wheels are squealing and smoking as they rocket down the road and he is just gone. At this point, the Lord Humongous assumes that he's got a lot of territory to cover before he catches up to the rig. Yeah. He doesn't know that Max has turned around. Yeah. So we've got a really good setup for what's going to happen tomorrow. Good stuff is coming up. Oh yeah. Tomorrow is pretty much the... Toe cutter death scene from the first movie, but amped up to the nth degree. And yes, today's episode is really short. There wasn't a ton to talk about, but tomorrow is going to be so much fun because Wes is going to make an appearance and the Lord Humongous is going to realize that the rig is way closer than he thought. And Max and the Feral Child are just along for the ride. And crazy things are going to happen. So definitely come back for tomorrow. The Mad Max Minute podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy and presented by Warner Brothers Pictures in association with Village Roadshow Pictures. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. You can follow Mad Max Minute on Twitter at Mad Max Minute, on Facebook at Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone, and at MadMaxMinute.com. And finally, if you would like to contribute to the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com, click on the support link at the top of the page, and check out our Patreon to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 80 of the Road Warrior. We'll see you tomorrow.